Hey there, listeners. Welcome to the official WNRG podcast. We believe the best knowledge is knowledge that is shared. Throughout our podcast journey, you'll hear advice from thought leaders, gain insight into areas of expertise other than your own, and hear the inspiring stories of others. This production is made possible with the support of the Women's Network Resource Group and the dedication of our core team. I'm Tara DeLucia. I'm Carmen Pantoja Evans. And I'm Brittany Lemaire. Make sure to text WNRG to 239-355 to have episodes sent straight to your mobile every Thursday morning. And we always want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts in our buzz group, WNRG Podcast Series, or by tagging us. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to our special Bold Goal episode. Throughout 2018, we asked each of our interviewees for their own personal opinion and their take on Humana's Bold Goal. We all know that good health is hard, and that's why Humana has set a bold goal to make our communities we serve 20% healthier by 2020. And we want to make it the easiest we can for people to achieve their best health. Through our Bold Goal communities, we are creating evidence-based, scalable, and financially sustainable solutions with community partners and physician practices. By targeting priority conditions and social determinants of health, both inside and outside the clinical setting, we are finding ways to make it easier for people to achieve their best health. We do this by tracking progress through the CDC's health population tool known as Healthy Days. This takes into account the whole person by measuring both mental and physical dimensions of their well-being over a 30-day period. This allows us to show a direct link between improved health, positive business results, and social impact. In this episode, you'll hear from Marla Sanders, Chuck Stevens, Josh Begley, Maria Schaefer, Carrie Wong, Tracy Zimmerman, Ross Lagerblade, William Fleming, Elizabeth Strell, and Patty Zaltai. And just what does bold goal mean to you? So bold goal to me is that how do I first start with myself and how do I encourage my team? So um, bold goal to me is that we continue to stay focused first on our members and how do we support the work that Bold Gold is doing and how we continue to continue that messaging within um, our teams. Number one, it starts with me. I will tell you that I've been transparent with my team that during my stress time, I eat. So I, um, I hate to say that, but that's who I am. I know that. And um, so I took on this new job and I said, I need you to help me be accountable to healthy meals. So some of that is around just prioritization and and me just not taking on a lot of stress and then inserting a lot of unhealthy food. So that's what that means to me. The second is around how do I keep my um, 10,000 steps in top of my mind. So I have my Apple Watch and I count my steps. I listen to podcasts in that. Um, Yay. So good. this is this is fun to be on the other side of, um, of that. Um, so, and that could be from NPR or sure. Freak Economics or oh, whatever. And I'm a big fan, yeah, fan of that right. one. And, um, or it could be any motivation. It really, I choose podcasts based upon what I need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So sort of like a needs assessment. I'm like, okay, right. what do oh, I need? That is true. Coming to search, the circle. The yeah. search bar. Assessment. Go on the search bar. Say, <laughs> yeah. I need this today. That's right. And there's something that, 
um, you know, we learn from other people and not always learning from the same person. Mm -hmm. So that's, it it just reinforces continuing to network. I may never meet the author of the podcast, um, but it is is a different voice presented a different way that I might learn Mm -hmm. in a different way. Um, And then what other um, bold goal means to me is really about influencing my team um, and giving them the allowances to make good choices and to make um, time for exercise. Um, Next week we're doing a water challenge, and so we're trying to motivate ourselves to drink water, and that is as simple as every day we're tracking the water that we have, and at the end of the day, end of the week, um, whoever continues to uh, drink eight ounces of glass you know, every day, then they get in a pot and then they get a Yeti cool little water Yeti cup. So it's just little things like that, that reinforces, um, wellness and reinforces us making our health a priority and living our values. Yeah. So we ask all of our interviewees about bold goal and what bold goal means to them. So what does bold goal mean to you? All right. So bold goal to me is uh, it's an important initiative uh, because I think we're putting ourselves out there for one. Big time. You know, uh, so I think that's huge. Uh, the, and so that that to me, uh, you know, I love Humana. It's a great company. I'm not just saying that because they pay me. Uh, I really believe that we believe the stuff that we're talking about. I do too. Uh, the idea of population health to me is intriguing and the uh, the fact of social determinants on on you know well being and health and whatnot I think are are a huge thing that uh, are not only interesting but important uh, that I don't know that I would have thought of before. So for bold goal for me, it's an education thing, and so I'm starting to uh, realize that we can have a dramatic effect on local areas in specific areas when we all kind of band together. It would be interesting, you know, because Bogo, how many communities do we have in Bogo? Do you all know? 14 or something. Yeah. yeah. And, and I can't remember what, what we're targeting next. Uh, right now it's social isolation and loneliness right. and food insecurity. Oh, okay. Food insecurity was last quarter for the most part, but right now it's so, social isolation and loneliness. Yeah. yeah. And those are those are things that uh, really speak to me because I'm you know I've had uh, older parents that I was caregiver for and uh, my wife's parents are aging in uh, so then you know we'll start uh, looking at those types of things but then for me the food insecurity thing is really a huge one uh, and I actually talk to my kids a lot about it because <clears throat> you know they they gripe and complain all the time they're like why are we having this and I'm like dude like you know there are kids that you know, go to school that that's the only meal they're going to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we look at that and the effect on the health and, and mental well-being, right. uh, it's it's a very important, you know, I guess program. Or do we call it a program? Initiative. Initiative. It is an initiative. Yeah. Uh, okay. And you're right. The food insecurities, it, it's defined differently. You know, there's people that don't have food. Mm-hmm. And there's people that have not a lot of food. Mm-hmm. And there's others that are living paycheck to paycheck and doesn't have the extra opportunity for Healthy. uh, for healthier yeah. options. Mm-hmm. And so they're living on the ramen noodles. Right. And then the social isolation is not just our um, families that are aging. Right. It could right. be somebody new to the community. It mm-hmm. could be a mom that is um, a stay-at-home mom Single now. Single mom or that, um, that is, and now she's across the board. It, mm-hmm. um 
You know, it it varies. It varies, and our our cube mate could be um, uh, have social, uh, you know, be lonely, and you just don't know. Yeah. So uh, just understanding the, the determinants, and there's toolkits out there right. that the Bogle team have put put together to to help with that. So um, it's great that you're aware of some of the pieces. And from just Rupp's Town Hall, there's um, you know at the end, you guys kind of close that sixty percent of social determinants are now affecting our, our members and associates health versus that 20% that's predetermined by your genetics. So that 60% of all these social determinants, this is a huge number. So I think it's amazing that we're focusing on these problems and then defining the behaviors and how can we change it. And yeah, cause you think about genetics, those, I mean, you can't change, change genetics. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, <laughs> Now, I guess they're working Jurassic towards that, <laughs> right? But Jurassic you know, uh, attacking the things that you know that you actually have control over, you know, or or could possibly, right. you know, the environment. Now right. genetics, like you said, mm-hmm. but there's right. that other twenty percent. Like, well, I was going to ask, what is the other twenty percent? I was trying to look up the sixty twenty twenty. I think that mm-hmm. other twenty percent is education. Oh, is it? I'm almost positive, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, because people have different levels of education are based on what they're exposed to in their environment, but. One of his questions was, what does the bold goal mean to you? Um, well, I think uh, one thing Humana has started to do that's excellent is include not only phys- physically healthy days, but also mentally healthy days. Um, and I think that conversation has just started coming about more more often here in the past year than it ever has. Um, so uh, this ties really well into the situation or the, the uh, topic we're talking about today uh, because, I mean, you know, at a very high level, supporting my associates um, and making sure that they feel supported in the workplace um, leads them to better, to more healthy days, to more physically and mentally healthy days. Um, so um, that's not a stressor for them. Uh, but in my own community, you know, we try to we try to volunteer. Uh, I used to take advantage of the volunteer time that Humana offers us every year, and we do some stuff around the holidays with the family, like we volunteer at the um, homeless shelters to to do meals and things like that. Um, so, um, you know, we, um, and, and we do a lot of things, I feel like, to uh, support uh, the bold goal. Very good. Awesome. The bold goal. The bold goal is what powers me up to get up every day, show up every day, and put my best foot forward every day. Years ago, we didn't call it the bold goal, but it was the same thing that was motivating me to get up for Humana and to stay with Humana. I feel like I'm part of an organization, we're all part of an organization that drives to a greater cause more than we individually can handle. And I think that's powerful. We're literally getting up every day, not just to make profit, but to make a real difference in people's lives. That's awesome. That's awesome. I was t- I, just side note, I was talking to my mom the other day, and we were in deep conversation, and she said, do you, do you love Humana? Like, are, mm-hmm. you know, do you, do you love working there? And I paused, and I was like, yes. Like, I mm-hmm. love what we do. I yes. love the impact we're making, mm-hmm. not only on our members, not only on our associates, but on, in the communities we live in. That's correct. It's such yeah. a huge, bold It is. And to me now, I have tangible, even though I don't directly impact the member's experience because of the nature of my work and the nature of the work that my team does, 
I get to have the tangible evidence of the difference that Humana is making because I have two parents who are Medicare members at Mm -hmm. Humana. And I hear from them almost on the daily real-life experiences that they're having and how Humana is impacting that in a very positive way. Their Medicare Advantage, um, I don't know what you call them now, agent from years ago. I remember when my parents first Field moved agent, to, yes. 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 Yep. When my parents first moved here from Michigan, my parents invited that guy over for dinner mm-hmm. because they felt that they felt very strongly that he was just as much a part of our family as a any one of connection. us are because he's shown that he has a personal interest in their well-being and that matters so much to my parents. And I know that that's just my parents' experience, but I know that so many other of our Medicare Advantage members have similar experiences with their own agents as well, and I think that's so powerful. Absolutely. It is. So I I actually work in the retail segment, so I'm yes. at that state state office in Pennsylvania and I have mm-hmm. a a little lady, a member that anytime she's out and about, she actually stops in and says hi to me because I helped her out with a billing issue. And I was on the phone <laughs> customer service with her, and so like she's like my adopted grandma, and I just I just love her to pieces. She is the best, and just I love those experiences. I by default in my like personality traits, I have to have that people part. I'm mm-hmm. an ENFP, and I just everything about me is people and purpose driven, and just. I love that Humana gives me that opportunity mm-hmm. to do that. And our agents, I, I love seeing them help our, our members. And my grandparents are Medicare uh, Humana members back in Oklahoma, and they were so excited when I came to work for Humana. Um, and they just they go on and on about how much they love Humana, and they love their little Humana agents. Yes, so it's awesome. I, I love that. I love hearing those stories. So what does the bowl goal mean to you? Um, the bull goal. So that's an interesting question. So I'll call it the what. Here's how the bull goal resonates with me. Mm. Instead of what, not not what it means new to me. Word, new word. But how it resonates with me. Um, it resonates with me not not just in the work that I do, but even more in the work. Also, not not just at Humana, but outside Humana, right? So making making the communities we serve twenty percent healthier by year twenty twenty, and that being measured with the Healthy Day Survey, right? And Healthy Day Survey is not only just talking about um, uh, how do you feel uh, uh, physically, but it's also talking about how you feel emotionally, mm. things like that too. So in large part, my volunteer work, right, with the Kentucky Shakespeare, sure. it's all about that emotional and mental health. Um, the work that I do inside the company. Uh, hopefully, in in making our processes more effective and efficient, automating it. Hopefully, give uh, our associates more time to help the consumers and our members at where they're at. But even I'll say even more. But that's not really true. But as important to that is looking at the data and the analytics. Um, I believe, and I think that we as a company believe that uh, serving a member when they need care is important. Serving a member before they need care in order to prevent that need from ever occurring is so much more important than actually serving them by the time they need it. Because if we can prevent, that can make such a big difference in everyone's lives. Um, and that prevention comes from data, data analytics, and understanding not just the episodic, how we interact, but all those other social determinants that we could know or that we should know that help affect a member's life as a whole, right? So if you're suffering from food insecurity... Your world's a really different place than mm-hmm. if you have, you know, three meals a day without any worries about that, right? And so if we know that you suffer from food insecurity, there's so much more that we can do 
um, interact and engage both with resources that we have or other community resources and combining up with that in order to get those people service, in order to get them the things that they need that aren't just episodic health care, either brief interaction or insurance related. And so what's the bull gold mean to me? The bull gold means to me that we as individuals within this wonderful Fortune 100 company can have so many resources at our fingertips and in our roles that can take this company different places, more places than it's ever been before, to affect members' lives throughout their life cycle and throughout that, and not just in the episodic care, but in the times when we're not interacting with them and we can make their lives better. And part of that, and that resonates with me with my job and the things that I can do and the things that I see, and as much in the things outside my job and the work that I do with Shakespeare and others about being able to serve the, the people in our communities that we live in. So it's not just living in the community, but it's being a part of the community. Love that statement. Um, so what does Bogol mean to you? I mean, we all know what our, our Bogol is, right? And so what it means to me is that we at Humana are, are taking an opportunity to really get to know the communities around us. Not only, you know, our, our members, not only our associates, but our community. And for us to be able to partner with um, you know, different organizations um, around the, the cities where we're, we're focusing on now. And then we know that this is just the start of it. We're going to keep broadening, you know, our, our scope of work and really being able to identify the areas that need the most support um, in our communities is just something, again, that I'm very, very proud of. How many companies, um, how many of your friends can you really say work for an organization that really looks at the communities in which they live in right and make it a priority to build partnerships and make the community better as a whole and so for me you know to be able to be a part of that work um, in the on the well-being team um, as well as you know in volunteering um, that has been something that we've really and we've you know had um, Allie Greenwell now who's doing a fantastic job leading the volunteerism and getting people out into the community getting us opportunities to to go out and serve the, the folks in the community I know that's a huge thing on our team uh, we just had an opportunity to go and paint um, um, a couple of weeks ago and, and stuff like that. So just being able to, again, not only just focus on our associate population, but to also have a, the focus that we have um, in the communities that we serve to try, try to make our members as healthy as possible so that they can live their best lives. It's just really something that is um, to be proud of. And I feel like every Humana associate should really understand what the bold goal is and how we're working um, toward that bold goal and what it is Humana is doing to try to, um, you know, have our communities uh, live their best lives. And I really feel the well-being side of it, that's Humana taking care of their associates, so their internal communities, their internal population, to then go out and help really encourage the bold goal, share our message. And going to give a plug to go slash HVN, which is the Humana Volunteer Network, where you can go search in your area for different things. And as part of our benefits, part-time associates have four hours throughout the year that they can use, and full-time associates have eight hours that you can take to use as volunteer hours to go out and help your community or get your team together and do something positive. 
Super. You have that sense of belonging, and you're contributing, yeah. and it just feels good. It's a feel good. Yes, very, very much so. And you know, for and for Humana to again give you the hours to go and volunteer and be a part of your community, it's just um, you know it, it speaks volumes to the work that we're doing and the work that we're going to continue to do and how we're going to evolve uh, the culture over the next several years. And that's interesting because if you share that eight hours with people outside of Humana, they're like, what? Really? Yeah. Well, and that's... Humana gives you that? Absolutely. Yes, yes. You know, how do you define bold goal? And what does it mean to you? Bold goal. And I'll take this out of the context of Caroline Coates and the bold goals um, organization and movement. But... um, (laughs) So... uh, um, I'll be really careful here because I know we're being recorded. But um, <laughs> I, uh, when I was I was probably a junior in high school and I was sitting room, I was actually at a youth uh, Christian kind of conference or retreat. And and uh, and someone used the term here. But, you know, they said it's better to reach for the stars and miss than to reach for blank and grab it. Mm. And, um, you know, it was one of those things that just kind of stayed with me really for the rest of my life. And so. When I think about a bold goal, you know, I think about that that which is attainable. Um, but when attained, I'm surprising even myself. Hmm. Because if I have the expectation of achieving a bold goal, if I just believe it's something that, um, you know, there's a 99.9% chance I'm going to get to, I, the bar's not high enough. Hmm. But when I get there... And when we achieve that goal, whatever that is, and for me, it's, you know, the triple aim, it's being able to deliver value and a great experience for our members. When I believe that we know exactly where that can be delivered and exactly when it is delivered and how frequently is delivered. And, and, and if it's not, why not? Um, in any community in this country, that'd be a bold goal for me. Mm. I think it is attainable. I have every expectation to get there. Um, but when I do, I'm going to be happily surprised. That's awesome. What does the bold goal mean to you? My hope, my hope that is that I guess with bold goal that we make it a core part of what we think about and do long term, um, every day. Um, and because I'm a big believer in, in um, what I call patient reported outcomes, um, that you know, in second day of pharmacy school, one of my professors, I remember him saying that you know, if you ever want to know how a drug works or a side effect it causes, ask the patient. And so most of our work today, if, if we're honest with ourselves, is listening to claims data. You know, did the data, does the data tell us that you have a problem? Does the data tell us this or that? And it's, it's, it's highly retrospective. And learning that Mrs. Smith was just hospitalized or just went to, to the ER two weeks ago isn't all that helpful in helping Mrs. Smith. It is for the next time, but it's not mm-hmm. this time. And yet we know there's all these capabilities that exist in the market. And so I think it's it's bringing to life a lot of those patient-reported outcomes. I look at bold goal as something that if we can figure it out and how to make it a core part of our operations, understand those social determinants of health um, at every step and have the right operating infrastructure to translate that data from, hey, I found out Mrs. Smith is in an unsafe home over here and it hasn't changed for the last three months that she's over there, but now she's in the hospital. If you knew that Mrs. Smith was in an unsafe home for whatever reason, and she's being discharged from the hospital, 
would you still send her home? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Only for a readmission? Or would you find some community resource to try to help her? If you knew that, and, that, that her bed was upstairs and she just had a hip replaced, would you, would, you, would you try to help solve that bed upstairs issue, right? right, during that rehab and that restoration period? So it's, to me, it's the depth of that. The details matter here mm-hmm. if we really want to get to know our members. And so I think a bold goal is really deeply getting to know, to know our members and bringing it, pulling it through the operating system so that no matter where you touch the person, that, that they know it. And those frontline associates are going to be a treasure trove of information because they're dealing directly with the member. And we did, um, I did a toolkit for our Pennsylvania market that has community resources for the elderly. If they, someone reaches out to them and one of their members needs help, this toolkit, hey, this, they can reach out here to get access to this or to local resources, to local resources yeah. in our area. We have a you know, farmer's market program for our Medicare members in the state of Pennsylvania. They can go get fresh produce delivered to them. I was like, did you all know this? And no, I, was like, I didn't either. Let's, yeah. These programs exist. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're just getting the information out it's, there. It's, we're, we need to be a connector. And, you know, honestly, the, you know, there's, there's more community resources than, than what we use, and we have to bring them to life. And probably the other thing I would say is the power of analytics. Um, there was an article in New York Times or Wall Street Journal or something a few weeks ago, and it talked about the person in seat 12A, and it was talking about airlines and flying, and it um, talked about how you know the airlines are, are starting to use data in ways that um, they haven't in the past. And, you know, if you are a regular flyer and they start learning about you and they learn that, you know, every time you get an airplane or every Tuesday you get an airplane or for the frequent flyers, you know, you always get the bourbon and Diet Coke or bourbon on the rocks or mm-hmm. you name the drink that they don't show up asking you what you want. Oh. It's already there for you. They show up with a hand and say, you know, Mr. Fleming, That's here's your regular. and. Yeah. Wow. And they do that because they get to know you. Mm-hmm. Casinos do this as well. Right. And so it's that personalized piece, that getting to know people piece. And I, to me, that's where goal capabilities, humanities investments, all those things come together. So how about the goal? Um Dream job. That's, yeah, right? Yes. That's exactly how I would define a dream job. <laughs> I think because you're – being able to impact the community but mm. also benefit Humana, it just brings the best of both worlds together. So mm. I, that's sort of how I think about it. I mean, I think it's incredible that we work for a company that felt like they could put out such a bold goal out there right. that's hard to achieve and that we can all, you know, relate to and work towards. I, I think it's amazing. Yeah, just um, we were talking about this on another podcast, but being a part of an organization that not only wants to make an impact on associates and our membership, but also the communities we live in. Mm-hmm. Like that is, it's bold. Yes. And I just had no idea even, you know, in Louisville, like one of the issues was food insecurity. Like I had no idea how big of an issue that was here until that came out. And so I think just bringing awareness to the community is huge. And it's the best way, I mean, really to me, like having nonprofits and, you know, a for-profit company work together is really the only way we're going to make change. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, Carmen, you can you speak to it so well, but... How about just understanding what food insecurity is? Absolutely. I just that, you know, for Louisville itself, it's uh, food insecurity. Uh, part of it's the COPD mm-hmm. and um, diabetes. And, and there, there's few others along. I mean, there's it goes into more um, – it branches off in different ways. And um, But because we are Humana, 
we do have a whole software, HVN, the Humana Volunteer Network, that they put all these opportunities to help support community events in every city. And uh, and not to mention, they give us eight hours of uh, volunteer uh, time off, and uh, we should be totally taking advantage of that. And there's even opportunities during the day sometimes that um, teams will have events down on the first floor of a building or, or, or what have you to yeah. be able to take part or work at home opportunities where you can do some 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 virtual uh, volunteering based on what that is or an opportunity to step from your work at home area outside in the community. But um, but to but to your point, Elizabeth, it's just so there's so much out there and that Humana is willing to uh, put forth the effort to study and learn and work with a group of folks within the city, their city, whether it's Tampa or, or New Orleans or in, in, San Antonio. In San, you know, there's yeah. eight now. There's eight communities that they study. They do the surveys. They do all the metrics to find out what is it that impacts that community. And um, um, so it's important. It's important to all of us, important to Humana, and um, sounds like it's important to you yeah. as well, Elizabeth. And think about, I mean, you said something that – caught my attention. I mean, think about if you're looking for something to do and you're maybe you're bored with your job right now and you want to put something additional on your resume. If your team doesn't do a volunteer activity, maybe this is the time where you research some opportunities, present them to your boss. And as a team, you go out and do something because and then you can put on your resume. I coordinated this event. This many people went. This was the impact to our community. And, and it brought us together as a team. Like, that's huge. Like, that's something you should consider. Yeah. And so, you don't have to take time off of work to do that because Humana's giving you those those eight hours to do that. I think that's just amazing. Just a company that talks the talk and walks the walk. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still remember being completely floored on day one at, like, just the benefits and some of the examples. I'm coming from, you know, an organization that said they did this, this, and this, and it was totally not the case. Um, just... It still blows me away every day, the opportunities that we have. Yeah, and how we take advantage of them. And yeah. I, I think that you made a great point. You know, it's it's just like the best of both, both worlds. You, you're getting to make a positive impact on our our society and one another. And it's, it's professional growth and, mm-hmm. and experience. And the fact that you can couple those together is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think even maybe what some people miss miss is, you know, when we improve the health of these communities, that's actually also helping Humana's bottom line, because if we're making our members healthier, they're going to cost us less in terms of claims costs. So then at the end of the day, Humana will be making more money. So it also does have a huge financial impact on Humana. If we can go out and help these people live happier and healthier lives, which is such a great goal to have to begin with. Which, and it touches, I I mean, it just touches everyone, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. all we, I'm assuming most of us just want to make this world a better place as cheesy or not, or not, you know, but, but ultimately you just want to know you've made a difference and you've had a positive impact and, and you're right. I mean, Havana's kind of brilliant in that mm-hmm. they give us the opportunity to do that and it, it helps the business model. I mean, I think I love, it's really I love cool. it. I mean, Humana at Home, that's what I always thought about too. You hire nurse or nurses and social workers and healthcare professionals who are passionate about improving the health and well-being of our members. Um, and in turn, it, it helps the business grow. It's just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And volunteering, um, Kathy Eads, in that podcast episode, she, men- she mentions going out and volunteering. And that is an opportunity to meet other mentors or yeah. sponsors. Yes. To help advocate on your behalf. I mean, so what better way to help get your name, your your personal brand, and also just help benefit Humana? 20% healthier by 2020 is the goal. 
for the communities. And, uh, of course, we had an internal one for the associates for 2017, uh, which I, I know was impacted by we had some hurricanes and and it affected a lot of our associates and uh, impacted their lives and their personal life and their work life. And uh, but um, but we are really on a roll for the 20 percent healthier by 2020 for our communities. Absolutely. It's exciting. Yes, we can do it. <laughs> it takes everybody. So what would you say it was that you brought to Humana? I mean, I, I could write yeah. a little book myself about what I think you did, but what do you feel you brought to Humana? I'd say it started with um, when he did or his team did their research on my background, I was um, very connected in the community uh, of Houston. And that's an important thing for a health plan, to be known and to be trusted as a a part of the, the, the landscape that makes it a great community. So he saw that um, the CEO I was working for at the time had just won the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. We were in a fast growth part of our business, and we got awards for that. And we just had positioned our firm in a really positive light. And and in Houston, Texas, Humana needed that very much um, to be positioned more positively. So I think he he saw that. And I'll tell you, that I believe that thread has turned into the rope that allows me to do the bold goal work with with a great team and markets and Bruce's support. But we have to be a solution in the community, and we have to be a partner in the community, and we have to acknowledge that it's it's a local. Um, it's it's local. Health is local. Bruce says that all the time. So I think that that little thread that Mike saw back then, Humana has helped me and enabled me to build that into a really nice rope, um, all the way up to the to the bold goal. Well, and, and bold goal is it is the core of what we do now. I it love is, that. It is. It, it truly is. And we were um, on a panel yesterday talking about stress management and. One of the solutions for stress management is that sense of meaning. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's finding your purpose. It's understanding your meaning. And I was thinking about how Humana has done that for so many of us. So, we're you know, I'm an operations leader, um, and that is, that's what I do. But I'm involved with Feeding Tampa Bay. I'm involved with making impact on the community. I'm, I'm encouraging my the people I work with, the direct reports, you know, to find that meaning on such a bigger mm-hmm. scale. Yes. I mean, we're already making an impact with Medicare Advantage members. Now now we're talking about social isolation. And so from an operation standpoint, now we're, we're building that into process, and we're talking about that with our members. And when you start to see this, like, puzzle and putting the pieces together, um, it's, it's goosebumps. You know, it's making you realize you have such a bigger purpose than just a job. I could it's, weep with joy right now to hear <laughs> hey, a business so leader <laughs> weaving it into their business. I, I mean, do. wow. It is, for me, it is fully seeing a business walk the walk and talk the talk. Having Humana come full circle by truly creating these grassroots movements and affecting the health of the communities that our associates live and work in and providing these type of opportunities for us to volunteer and to having these BTO hours and a whole network to connect us with these opportunities to truly 
impact members' lives, whether we realize it or not, and just providing that sense of belonging and interconnectedness, oh, man, to me, that is just so powerful. Just because you don't have a member-facing role doesn't mean that what you do is not truly going to impact a member or somebody else along the way. Well, you know, it takes, I think you're exactly right, and it's it's a two-way street. Bruce put forth this amazing vision and purpose for us in the bold goal. But if we didn't have associates that had the passion, I mean, we, 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 get, we collect very special associates here. They want to be connected to their communities. They want to be connected to their members. That doesn't happen in every company. It's a really interesting phenomena in a special space that we have have created and have built. And I'm part of the Louisville Associates Connection Council. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And um, connected with that was also where you did the Bold Go Town Hall. Yes. Which was very inspiring. And the story you shared mm. um, with grandparent mm-hmm. and uh, parent, your mom, was sweet. So would you share that story? I'd be honored to. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I've got, um, just so you all know, I've got a picture of my grandmother and grandfather that I'm looking at as I tell this story. And then the other thing, today is the second anniversary of my mother passing away so mm-hmm. it's a very very again mm-hmm. an, an honor to be able to tell this and I've, I uh, so I thank you for the question mm-hmm. so we've been studying social isolation and loneliness a lot in our bold goal work and had no idea how impactful it was to the lives of our seniors and and how long they get to live it it, it really is impactful to to aging and it began to sort of nibble around the edges of of my own life when I watched my mother, who was uh, healthy and vibrant at age 91, suddenly pass away. And I started thinking about it, and I thought about her mother. And that's the picture I'm looking at today, which is a picture of my grandmother in her cap and gown from her uh, graduation picture from chiropractic school in 1924. She's standing there with my grandfather, who's also in his cap and gown. He wouldn't go to college if she didn't go with him. (laughs) So they went together. And um, she lived to be 104, and when she passed away, she was the oldest living practicing chiropractor. Wow. And she had purpose. She got up every day, and somebody needed her healing hands. And she lived every day with purpose. And she had people coming and going from her home, and she had a vibrant social life, even though my grandfather passed away at way too young an age. My mother, at 91, left the world arguably 13 years too soon because she had a tiny world she didn't leave her home for years we came to her we called her on the phone every day but there's not when you don't have a purpose and you don't have friends and connectedness I'm just convinced she she passed away of loneliness didn't know it at the time didn't know what more we could do 
But now I'm so thankful for the work we're doing in the bold goal because we do recognize that we've got to step in and treat that issue as we would a chronic disease. We've got to name it and then move into it because people are embarrassed to say I'm lonely. It's, saying I'm lonely sounds like I'm a victim, and, and especially seniors don't like to sound like a victim because then they lose their independence. My mother would not have admitted to this, but now we know and, and we understand it. So um, she um, left a beautiful legacy, but she also left the ability to learn how to help others live that more vibrant life. So we hear loneliness and social isolation. How are they connected or not connected? That's a great question. So um, loneliness is um, not having enough people in your network that you can reach out and, and, and interface with. And, you know, we, we all can be on Facebook and doing texts, et cetera, et cetera, but, but there's something different to having two great women that I'm sitting with and one on the phone that I'm sitting with and really connecting with and mm-hmm. seeing our faces or, or, or breaking into each other's conversation, that's a very different. Mm-hmm. So that's the loneliness side. I just don't have, have enough of the people I need in my life. And the social connectedness is that I may have the uh, a lot of people, but I don't have the richness of the relationship mm-hmm. that I need. So they overlap, but they're very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and we learned about this phenomena through the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation because they've been studying um, the impact of, of social determinants of health on life and on aging. And they're the ones that sort of put this in front of us. And then we contrasted healthy days, social isolation and loneliness have on healthy days, and we found there was a strong correlation. And our bold goal work is about reducing the number of unhealthy days, so it was a natural fit. And our country is a little bit behind studying this whole phenomena. Do you know that um, the UK just installed a minister of loneliness? Oh, wow. Because they realize it's so impactful to the health of their population. They have for years used a portion of their lottery proceeds to put together a 24 by 7 silver link. And the silver link is a phone bank. So I can call 24 by 7 and have a voice and have a conversation. And um, they think it's made a difference in their senior population. But it can go across generations. Oh, yes. Okay. We've all been lonely in a room full of a million people. Are there any particular resources that Humana already has in place that we could maybe suggest to our membership or providing somebody that may be suffering from social isolation or loneliness? So, I th- yeah, I think a couple of things. That's a great question. Our guidance centers are, are just a beautiful opportunity for seniors to be able to get out, engage, 
stay stimulated, and then come back, right? So I think that's a wonderful opportunity. But for, um, so two other things, uh, Tim Huval and his team have done a great job with helping us understand our purpose. And when we understand our purpose, we do tend to engage and show up a little bit more. Um, We also have these wonderful network resource groups, right? And I'm blessed to be um, a senior sponsor for the caregivers NRG. Mm -hmm. And they are, talk about some folks that could feel isolated and lonely. Mm -hmm. They sure can. And there are over 2,000 of those folks now that get together very routinely in the caregivers NRG. They're many, many in the women's NRG, as you know. And in fact, this is part of why I'm here is, is the women's NRG. And um, just uh, community is what people are looking for. Let me identify with a community. Um, I think the 100-day dash. Look how often sure. you see people pairing up now and just having a reason to say, well, you've get from behind your desk and let's go have a walk so there are resources if we'll just encourage people to begin to use them or tying it all together too so there was a period of time when we had a lot of bold goal bold goal discussion about the internal associate goal and then it shifted in a way where you know i think there was a learning curve of figuring out as an associate how do i impact the overall Mm -hmm. community And I've seen in the past year those opportunities start to become more available. But I still think we have have opportunity to to say to the associate, like to Brittany's question, this is how you make an impact in the community. This is how you impact food insecurity. Um, Here's the volunteer opportunities or here's the general education. Food insecurity is very different than not having any food. You know, what's the difference? So I think there's, there's just a lot more movement now toward how I as an associate, an individual associate, can impact our bigger bold goal or yeah and I think that's so important because um, it's there are still people that that don't see how they can impact it so as leaders and as associates when we see the tie-in we need to talk about it and and because we we've we've got people that we've walked past today that are lonely and isolated and if we throw the the cloak off of that and say it's okay to talk about it it's okay to feel it but here are the things you can do about it then we can make a difference in our associate bowl goal and when we make a difference in our associate bowl goal i'll promise you we're making it with the members because it tracks absolutely linearly so I and i will throw out a nice little pitch to go slash bold goal there are multiple toolkits and there is a specific loneliness toolkit absolutely wonderful i've used it uh, to reference um, my my agents since we do service medicare age members so please visit go slash bold goal there's a ton of resources out there and ideas for volunteer opportunities for us to get involved thank you thank you thank you and i think the associates connection council in the eight markets we're in now is that right we're up to eight bold goal markets we've actually got 12 now oh Yes. No, but your your phase one is really the eight that you're thinking of, mm-hmm. but we've had more growth no. there. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, because of the resources that we're learning, the associates, that we're having a, more of an understanding. Mm-hmm. So we can see. Um, you made reference to the community centers, to the um, guidance centers. Mm-hmm. And I visited the one here in Louisville. Good. And I will tell you, I did not know um, what they were about. 
and going there and finding out more about it. And I know not all the markets, the 12 markets um, have them. Um, but uh, but when you made reference to them, it just reminded me of how much we don't know what we have in the community and that I could take my mom there yeah. and we could watch a movie together or we could um, play dominoes or do yeah. chair aerobics or, you know, they offer so many items there's so many activities for um the community and and they're free yeah and they can bring a friend that's not even a humana uh member they love that and and you know interestingly enough so emily allen kirby leads that whole guidance center part of our business now and you know emily allen kirby was the original um leader in charge of what was called the enterprise goal mm-hmm. which is now the bowl goal so it's really interesting it all mm. sort of um it all ties back together very interesting i think about so i'm an operations leader on the humana home side yeah and i've worked on the telephonic p- part of that and now i work on the in-home part of that and i can remember when i was frontline my members who i adored you know just saying can you please just come have tea with me oh. Would you please just come? You know, and they were in other states, and obviously I couldn't do that. But I think that was my the first time that I became aware of how big the need is with our seniors, mm-hmm. that loneliness piece, that social isolation, that we formed enough of a connection over the phone talking about chronic conditions that she wanted me to come have tea with her. Yeah. And how um, privileged, you know, that, the privilege that that was to have that relationship with her. And then that that being like the, the place where I... I started to see the bigger chronic issue yeah. of, of loneliness. Yeah. And, and you know, um, it does happen. You mentioned uh, it's not just seniors, and it's not just seniors. Um, but our seniors, uh, imagine the longer they live, probably the fewer friends they have. Mm. And then their, their children get busy, yeah. and we put our phones on, you know, I, on vibrate and we don't take the calls and and then they have a chronic disease and they feel even more lonely but that outreach that that humana caring associate makes that might be the only time they talk Absolutely. out loud all day long and so it's a it's a it's it's, it's a treasure it is a treasure that's that's it i mean treasure is a good word <laughs> yeah i like that anything else Um, I would just wish everyone many, many, many healthy days. And that's it for this episode. Make sure to text WNRG to 239-355 so you can catch us next week. This podcast is produced by Melissa Nichols. We also want to thank you for spending time with us this week. And we always want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts in our Buzz Group, WNRG Podcast Series or by tagging us. We couldn't do this without you. Until next time, be intentional, stay curious, and inspire others.